You've tuned into all things fine and gentry with the connoisseur, French Thompson, where consistently we bring you ideas, concepts, and exposure to thoughtful content, lifestyle enhancements, and opportunities to improve yourself and those around you. Thank you for tuning in and taking your listen to this week's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of All Things Fine and Gentry. This is the Connoisseur French Thompson, and it's a pleasure to having you all with me one more week. Um, I don't take it for granted, and appreciate each and every one of you all that have uh, that have subscribed, liked, responded, reviewed. Um, we're, we're we're continuing to see our numbers rise. Uh, we're almost into the 2000 uh, downloads. And so um, I truly appreciate each and every one of you all for, for tuning in and, and sharing. And I'll, I'll encourage you to do that share, especially if the episodes um, uh, hit, hit a, a nerve with you or, or make you think a little bit harder about something. Share with your friends, share with those around. Uh, love to see you on social. I will definitely repost you uh, and, and go from there. So um, again, appreciate each and every one of you all for, for, for tuning in. So I'm excited, uh, as I've said last week about, uh, this sub series that we're doing, which is healthy for the holidays. And, um, this really hit me because oftentimes a lot of us, we are unhealthy in the holidays and it's not just, uh, physical health, right? We, you essentially eat a whole bunch of food. We in, over and go indulge ourselves on all types of things, food, liquor, presents, people, etc. But they want to challenge us to be healthy for the holidays. And so last week we talked about rest uh, and the importance of it and actually how to truly rest. Um, but this week, um, you know, I want to kind of get deeper into the mind. And so I, um, I asked a, a, a close friend of mine, somebody who uh, I've known for a few years now to, to join uh, the podcast and talk about uh, mental health. And I know some of you all probably say, oh, Lord, I'm going to fast forward to the end and just say I listen to the podcast. But it's important because mental health is important. And if you walk into the holidays in a bad mental state, then it's all downhill from there. So uh, I have uh, Megan Pickens on the uh, on the podcast today, and she is actually a licensed professional counselor. So it's not just me talking to somebody I know that's going to tell us some uh, uh, uh random anecdotal stuff about what we can do to get better. Um, but actually somebody who actually knows this stuff and uh, can can help us get get better at, at where we are, what we're doing. So, uh, Megan, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Hey. All right. <laughs> so um, as I do on the podcast, when I have guests, I love to learn a little bit about them and share with the audience kind of you know who they are, where they're from. And uh, I know you're in, in Texas and, and how you got to Texas and um, you know, how you got into counseling. So tell us your story. OK, so I am doctor. Don't forget, I finally yep. finished. There it is. I apologize. Doctor. <laughs> it's doctor. OK. It's OK. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yes, I am in Texas. I have been in Texas since 2009. I moved here from Kansas. No. I've been counseling since 2009. I even forgot. I've been in Texas since 2003. Oh, wow. And counseling since 2009. Um, 
I came to Texas initially because I was kind of withering on the vine in Kansas City. I don't know how else to say it. I hear you. Um, and then also I had been praying for a husband and God told me that he was here. Nice. Now, had I been patient and waited on him, I might have actually found the one he had for me, but I just picked one myself. So <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> Got it. So. I desperately wanted to get out of Kansas City, so I left. I did not have a job. Mm. I didn't have anywhere to stay. I had $700 to my name wow. and a van with my child and my mother driving the van wow. so I could drive my car here. And I came to Texas, and I stayed in a an extended stay hotel for like three days and found an apartment, lived off of my little bit of money I had, and then I found a job. And so that's how I ended up in Texas. Hey, so, um, so we, we've connected before in Kansas City because uh, back in the day, I lived in Kansas City for a while, uh, about four or five years when I first started working. And um, so every time we talk about Kansas City, people got questions. So I'm going to ask you this for the listeners on the podcast. Two, two questions about Kansas City. Number one, um, better barbecue, Kansas City or Texas? Kansas City by far. All right. I just wanted to make sure that the world understood uh, those things. Yes. <laughs> and then secondly, they're deprived that they don't know. That's that's a whole bunch of people have no idea. Secondly, favorite barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. Oh, man, that's hard. It depends on what you're getting. So okay. I'm going to say Gates on 10th Street specifically, which I understand has now burnt down. So I don't know what I'm gonna do about my wings when <laughs> I go home. But it's those wings. Okay. That they only sold at that one. Wow. So I I don't know where that needs to be somewhere else by the time I go back. Bet. All right. We'll make that happen. So that that would be my favorite. Nice. Good. But deal. I'm very specific about it, you know. As as most barbecue connoisseurs are. And um uh my, my favorite back in the day was a spot called Danny Edwards. It was off of uh Southwest Traffic Way. And okay. I like mm-hmm. their uh, their brisket and their uh, beans the best. I thought that they had the best okay. in Kansas City. So, um, so my runner up is Q thirty nine. Yes. It's kind of bougie, but you know, compared to like it, it's not your hole in the wall barbecue it's, place. It's bougie Q39 barbecue, but good. it's good. It is. Yes. Good. Yeah. Yes. That's all right. You you making me miss Kansas City now? All right. All right. <laughs> So, so how did you, so you, you left Kansas city, um, came to Texas. Um, how did you end up in counseling? So that is a natural gift that I've always had. Um, I can remember being younger, like in middle school and even sometimes in high school, wondering why everybody would tell me Mm. everything. And I have always been that way. And then once I, um, really got saved at 24, from that time on, anytime I did a spiritual gifts assessment, personality assessment, career, anything, it always said that. So somehow I knew. Mm-hmm. And even in my high school memory book, it says that I wanted to be a counselor. And I don't wow. even know how I knew what that was because that was like 1991. And I don't think I knew anybody who went to counseling except for one friend. So maybe from there or the Cosby show. Hey, the Cosby <laughs> show set a whole generation right. I mean, so. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Nice. All right. So obviously when you got when you got into it, I'm sure you had a lot of um, and obviously, well, let me back up. Most people. um, Well, we don't record this podcast with a video, so you all aren't looking at Megan. Megan is an African-American woman. um, And so 
there's a stigma in the African-American community about counseling. And so mm-hmm. um, before we get into like how to overcome it, how did you um, deal with it, especially when you started telling your social circle and everybody that, hey, I'm going to get into this. This is the career path I'm going to pursue. How was that? How, how was that received? Um, when are you going? To, how are you going to live off of that? Mm. <laughs> are you going to have a real job wow. along with that? That was some of the early messages. Then, of course, black people don't go to counseling. Um, black people don't get depressed. All, all of the above. <laughs> like uh, all those messages are the ones I got. And I would say really within only the last few years has it really been yeah. fully embraced kind of by our community, yeah. you know, by our culture and our culture. So it's just been that way, but I'm kind of stubborn and hard headed. And so I was going to do it anyway. There it is. There it is. <laughs> All right. So it's, it's interesting that people will say that black people don't get depressed and things like that. Right. Because literally there are hymn books full of essentially songs that slaves and sharecroppers and our ancestors and forefathers put together that were just, you know, lamentations of them going through the yes. pain and communicating through song what they're feeling and right. thinking. And so that's just kind of it's it's wild that people would say that, but you know, it's a when when you're not recognizing what the the outlet, the emotional outlet or the mental outlet that you have, then I guess you think that that's way. why music is so powerful. I mean, music is nothing but words put to a tune. And so exactly. They were already doing it. That's how they help themselves. Yeah. And so it's just switched to, a, you know, a little slower cadence and we'll sit across from each other and talk <laughs> to each other. But still the same thing. That's real. That's You're real. absolutely that's right. Real. So um, how do you. Uh, I guess, approach when when you're talking with people now. Right. Like you said, in the last couple of years, just picked up. And I would say even for like my circle, I've seen a lot more people that are talking about it openly, like, hey, I got a counselor yeah. or, you know, hey, this might be an opportunity or my wife goes to counseling or I know somebody that does. Um, one, what do you think has shifted? And then two, how do you navigate the conversation when a person is coming in for the first time, especially if they're dealing with that stigma that's attached to it? I think for us, the shift started with some acceptance within church because, mm. you know, we love church as we are. And we do. I mean, that's not a criticism. Right. But I think that one of the things that I've definitely seen are religious leaders being more open to it. And so I think that brought it to the community and not just in a lay counseling way, because you started to see um, church communities partner with professionals. Mm. And for us, that's where we are. Like in most cases, no matter what, we're going to go to church. You know, I mean, people Mm -hmm. are like having all kind of withdrawals from not going to church because of COVID. I know I am. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going to be there. And so that's the best place to catch people. Um, Secondly, I think that because we are a little bit more upwardly mobile, you see the kind of middle class, upper class ones of us actually going to counseling. Because when you're in that, that at that level, you kind of have more of a choice. And I think traditionally counseling was not a choice for a lot of people. Mm. If you're involved with CPS, you have to go to counseling. If you're in foster care, you have to go. So there were all these have tos. But I think we've reached the, the level where now we can have a choice of coming. And we get the third thing is we have counselors that look like us and other people of color. 
And so I think all of those things combined have increased the acceptance of counseling and people are starting to learn that, hey, there's power in this. This is not weakness. This is actually me taking an initiative to do something different with my life or relationship or whatever it is. That's good. So so a couple of things I wanted to kind of um, follow up on, like you had stated uh, that, you know, for a while it was you had to. Right. And I think that's, that's very interesting as I thought back to it. Like you said, if, it, if you were in foster care, if you were in a troubled home or something uh, negative happened to you or you were acting out in a certain way, then this is a uh, what you shall do because, you know, you need to talk to somebody versus, hey, this is a part of your overall health regime. And you right. know, I, I've been I've been hearing a lot of people talk about it be it on podcasts or other types of things like legitimately you need to look at your mental health the same way you look at your physical health, right? You go to the eye doctor, you go to your primary care physician, you go to, um, you know, uh, you know, anybody else uh, on a frequent basis that, you know, essentially you need to have a conversation with somebody on a frequent basis to get your mental health check and not from a, you crazy, but you you have to have a, a conversation with somebody to work through what's what's going on in your life. And that's that's good. Mm-hmm. I used to say that to people all the time, too. You know, like black people and church people stop telling people that they're crazy because they want to go to counseling. You're stopping them from getting help. So stop doing that. But it happens a lot less. I'm happy to see the evolution. So. um Anyway. I know there was two parts that I can't remember. You no, know, I, I don't remember either. I should be typing this thing down. I, I you know, often I, I, so for those that are listening, um, I, I typically, when I uh, connect with my, my guests, I kind of say, Hey, we're just going to talk about who you are kind of somewhat on the topic. And then we're just going to talk for about 30 minutes and it should be fine. But then we start talking and I'm like, Oh man, that was good. I should write it down, but I failed to write it down. And then now I'm sitting here like, man, that was good. There was another piece. Um, I think it was, um, how do you, you know what is it like when a person goes for the first time? And I know this is like somewhat specific for you, um, but mm-hmm. what, what should a person expect? Maybe, maybe that's a better way to put it as a person that might be listening to this and they're like, you know, this sounds good. She sounds nice. Uh, maybe I'll try it out. What should a person expect when they're going to counseling? Right. What, what should they, um, I don't, I don't want to say what you should you prepare. Right. But, but what should you expect when you walk in? I got you. That actually makes, that's a good question. So, um, of course, it's changed a little bit with COVID because we're all doing um, online counseling. So, in most cases, you're checking your connection to make sure that you have a connection. But um, if I was in the office, then you would walk into the office, be greeted by my assistant, and in most cases, have a seat. Um, You come back to the session I, we don't allow phones in sessions. Um, that's the first thing. Face to face, I don't allow phones because, first of all, I don't want people recording because couples love to record and then use me against each other in their fights. So I outlawed recording in the office. Um, plus, you know, the phones are listening to you. So HIPAA compliance and all that kind that's of real. thing. That's right. Um, so then they come back into the office. And in Texas, I don't know about anybody else's, so I'll say that specifically you are required to um, provide informed consent to your clients. Informed consent is a super long document. If you've ever been to counseling, there's like a whole bunch of paperwork. And I have a lot because I like to be thorough 
because I've been doing this for a while. And so people will think of things that you don't think of. Mm. And when they do that, I put it in the paperwork. Um, so there are things like, um, so when they come in, I say, have you ever been to counseling before? They say yes or no. I'll tell them you have confidentiality. Everything you say with me stays with me unless you say that you'll hurt yourself, someone else, or you report child abuse or elder abuse, or if for some reason I am ordered by a judge to release your information. And then I'll go into my spiel of how you don't want to have a judge ask me for it because I don't like going to court. So I charge a lot for court, like a $1,400 retainer and two fifty because I mean it. I mean it to be prohibitive. That's real. So I don't want yeah. to. Um, and then I tell them that they have a right to privacy. <clears throat> I'll keep their paperwork for seven years from the last time that I've seen them. So whenever that is, um, if they're a minor, that is longer. So for minors, you have to keep paperwork up until the age of consent plus the seven years. Wow. And there are different arguments about should it be five years six years or whatever, because there are different codes. And so I just go on the high end and I say seven to make sure. Um, And then I let them know that um, my cancellation policy is 26 hours or more. They can cancel via telephone, voicemail, or through my system. If they don't, the card that's on file will be charged. We don't charge insurance or EAP or any of them for no-shows because they don't pay for them. And then we start our session. I say, hey, what brought you here? I saw your paperwork, but I want to hear it in your words. Hey, y'all. She just said, don't come to her half-stepping. You about to get... (laughs) 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 All right, I'm sorry. Hey, I stay booked up. My time is valuable, and I am very strict about it. Hey, Because, you know, and I really think about that from a counseling perspective, because in some cases, people have to wait two, Mm. three, four weeks to see me. And so if you schedule an appointment or several appointments and I let you get away with it and you don't show, you're taking a spot from somebody whose life I could have possibly saved That's real. or at least impacted. And so I just, I don't allow that. <laughs> I mean, I know stuff comes up and I am sensitive about that, but I, you know, for the most part, people, I've had some, I've had so many stories. I said I was going to write a book, but somebody one time told me that they missed their session because they were in the line for the new Jordans. I mean, and they need counseling to talk through their obsession with. That's okay. And I told them, well, since they can afford Jordans, then I know they can afford that no-show fee and that I charge them. Mic drop. (laughs) 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 All right. All right. All right. So, um, so this is good, right? Because a lot of people will, will look at this and say, okay, that's, that's good. And I know what to expect, especially to find somebody that looks like me. Um, let's pivot to to the holidays. Right. And that's that's why I wanted to, to you know, talk about this, because a lot of people may you know hear it and say, OK, that that sounds good. Um, but the reason that mental health is is important is because we go through so many things. Right. And the holidays specifically bring a wide gamut of emotions. Right. Be it, mm-hmm. um, you know, how do you navigate these things in a healthy manner? Um, you know, essentially you, you have everything from joy. People are excited. You have people that are just like putting up Christmas trees now, right? That they're so excited for the holidays. Yes. You have people that are on the other end of the spectrum that are like, man, I, I hate the holidays because of several things, either childhood drama, be it, um, you know, maybe you have, uh, uh, parents and stuff like that, that are, that are no longer here. You know, maybe there are other things that have driven, 
uh, your your emotion there. You have some people that are just completely nonchalant about it. Like I've known people that are just like, hey, I don't care at all. Like I don't have a negative experience, but I'm not going to get hyped. Um, but you also have a large amount of stress that comes with it. Right. And it doesn't matter if you're single, married, a parent, a kid, an adult, right? Kids are over here struggling, talking about, man, I want to be good so that I get some something under the tree from Santa, right? You, you're naughty or nice. You got, you know, parents on the other side trying to figure out how they're going to make all this come together. You have all these things that come together. And so um, I, I guess the question to you is, one, what type of advice do you give people as they are navigating or starting into uh, the the holidays and, and how can they approach it from a healthy manner? And then kind of just, you know, what do you think? You know, how, how do you help people navigate if they are experiencing some, you know, uh, that 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 range of emotions in regards to the holiday season? So we're starting from the first one. What do you you know tell people how to prepare and, and to think towards it? Well, for preparation, I, first of all, I have people check their expectations mm-hmm. because some of them are pretty ridiculous and some of them are kind of like family imposed mm-hmm. And then their society imposed and then their kids have pressure. So people are so busy trying to get that one special toy, which I can tell you, I just cleaned out my garage and tossed a bunch of special toys because you do all of that to get it and they outgrow it. You know, unless it's like, I don't know, He-Man or something worth money. But like for the most part, you're doing all this and having all this anxiety over something that will pass. Things will pass. Um, Secondly, as far as the expectations. If you are the person in the family that cooks the meals and you have to cook for 25 people and you've been cooking for 25 people for 25 years, some of those people are at least 25. (laughs) Delegate. (laughs) Give somebody the dressing recipe. Give somebody the macaroni. Tell them don't play around with it. Just follow it and do what they're supposed to. But you don't have to keep doing that. And so people feel a lot of pressure to do that and make everything perfect. One of the things I learned the first time my mom just like mercilessly threw me into you're going to make this is I cook the whole week. Mm. So like Thanksgiving starts on Monday, like I'm getting stuff ready. So on Thursday, I can sit down and watch whatever crazy movie we decide we want to watch and everything just has to be heated up or cooked, but nothing has to be fixed. So like break it into small pieces. Don't get up Thursday at 2 a.m. and cook all day till 2 a.m. the next day that you don't get to enjoy the holiday. And that was what I found, that Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to enjoy the holiday. Um, And as far as expectations and boundaries, it's really hard to set boundaries with your family, but you have to do it. You you wouldn't allow allow anybody else coming into your house, talking to you crazy and acting crazy with you. So you really have a right to say to your relatives, it's a little harder with Black mamas because they might knock you out. But... Still, <laughs> this is my house, and and so I'm, I'm gonna need some kind of respect. That's real. You can't come in here like yelling at me, and so in that I, a lot of times people run into issues with boundaries during the holidays because in most cases they're not seeing maybe that person in the family that they have conflict with other than holidays, and so but everybody's expected to be there. You can't miss because it's always been this way, and blah blah blah, and so you have all of that going into it. And then this holiday is going to be, we're going to have to be inventive because really technically we're not supposed to be together, right? you know, and, 
and definitely not in large groups, but they say people are going to do it anyway, <clears throat> which I truly believe they will. But we have to get inventive and start figuring out like how to do these next two holidays. We have Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, not to mention, you know, if you do Kwanzaa and there are Jewish holidays and Muslim holidays and all this stuff, and we're going to have to figure out how to do that and do it in a safe way without putting each other in harm's way. That's real. And so things are going to be changing anyway. So if, if, if I'm a person that struggles with boundaries, right? Um, there are so many expectations, be it imposed by family, uh, falsely imposed by, be it the, you know, the, the Netflix or the Hallmark special about this is what holidays are supposed to look like. Right. I think a lot of people walk into it with this. Um, uh, it, it's going to be, you know, snow, you know, white snow covered, you know, um, uh, grass in the morning and the kids are going to be so happy and the food's going to be just perfect and all these types of things. But then, you know, you're going to have this, um, you know, large family dinner. Everyone sits down and just going to be happy. Uh, so those expectations mm-hmm. are very, very high. Um, and like you said, you have a lot of people that you don't see, uh, but for the holidays. Um, and, and you have a lot of this, especially I would say for, for younger folks, um, if you are married and are going with family or if you were, you're singles and you're, you know, going back home to, to connect with your family, you're going to see people that you grew up with. There's this, um, this challenge, this struggle that a lot of people deal with trying to either one, keep up with the Joneses or to, um, appear in a certain light so that either it, uh, prevents criticism or interrogation or, um, you know, or, or something along those lines. So, so how do you counsel people to, to not get caught up in the, in, in that hype, in that struggle, in that, uh, perceived pressure of having to be perfect for the holidays? How do you, you know, encourage people in that, in that realm? I mean, of course, it's easier said than done. Um, And in some cases, I'm telling them, okay, you just have to get through the day. Mm. Like if that's what you if I can't, you know, convince them or help them be able to set boundaries, then, okay, how are you going to make it through the day? How are you going to answer the questions? Are you still single or Mm. I can't believe you all are together or I don't like your spouse or whatever? Like, how are you going to handle that? And so in a lot of cases, we'll do like maybe a role play to try to figure out like how they can handle that and be ready for it so that it's not new because a lot of times people are caught off guard for some reason. It's like, you know, they've been the same person for 50 years, so they're not going to change, but (laughs) nonetheless, you know, they always hope that that year is going to be different. So, you know, kind of having a little preparation and mock conversation about like how you're going to handle that or how you're going to get away. So if the, the questions are coming up, you're feeling the pressure, you're getting frustrated. What do you need to get out of your car? What do you need to go run to the store to get? Like, what is your at least temporary escape? Because there's a lot of guilt in not wanting to be around your family, Mm. especially if you're in a family where there has been a loss of, say, a parent or something. So like, let's say you have two parents, they have like three kids and then everybody's family, but then one of them has passed on and the person is left, you know, they, they're a person. So in some ways they can get on your nerves or whatever and you get frustrated. And so there's a lot of guilt with not showing up for that. So in most cases, people don't feel like they can miss that. They can't skip that. And they don't really want to rock the boat and set boundaries. So then we start talking about like, what are your 
coping skills? How can you escape? What brings everybody together? If all of y'all watch Friday and everybody's laughing at Friday, will the questions come? Probably not because you'll be too busy laughing at Friday. Like, what are some different ways that you can cope and like deflect that kind of behavior? You so black. You brought up Friday as the movie. Okay, well, uh, I'm just joking, I'm I don't know. Let me think a, a Christmas story or something. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. All right, so, so <laughs> I go all the way back. No, it's fine. I mean, this is this is, that's really good advice, right? To to have a an escape plan, right? I mean, ultimately, that's what it is, right? To be yeah. able to 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 back away, especially when when pressure is coming to you, and that's I mean, that's great advice. Period, right? It doesn't matter the situation that you have a way. Uh, to be able to navigate yourself out of situations where you feel uncomfortable so that you don't get overwhelmed or, 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 or something along those lines. Um, that, that's really good. Some really good advice here, because I'm thinking back to a lot of times in, in my holidays where I'm like, man, would have been nice to say I got to go or, you know, or being able to establish those boundaries. Um, there, there was something that you said earlier on that I, I did want to uh, to go back to. You talked about, hey, man, COVID has created an environment where it's going to be a very different holiday season. And even if you extrapolated out of the holidays, man, there's so much um, mental health challenges associated with, with living this socially or physically distant lifestyle. Um, <laughs> number one, we weren't made to be this way, right? We weren't made to be virtual. Um, and, and technology is allowed and things like that. But, but we as humans are interactive people. We, we, we right. operate in packs, right? And all these types of things. So, and we can talk from a COVID perspective, but also just in general, how, if a person is going through, through this, you know, these last six, seven, eight, nine months of being physically and socially distant, it weighs on people. How are you, or what do you tell people that they need to be either mindful of or, or, you know, be cognizant of things that they need to either practice or improve on um, in a in this COVID season in a physically and socially distant environment? What's what are the things that we need to be aware of and, and check ourselves with? Well, part of it is utilizing technology as much as, you know, some of us are over it. I'm over it. I mean, I'm 98 percent extrovert, so I totally get it. Like I am like people. And, you know, like if you if somebody drove up and said, hey, I'll talk to you from your driveway to your porch, I would be like, yes, because that's closer. That's real. <laughs> and so but but utilizing technology, because um, I had a really hard time at the beginning. And so one of the things I was doing, I would do like happy hours online. Everybody come on with a glass of whatever or not a glass of it, whatever, just connecting with people I know online. Um, we did game nights. I actually even had kind of started a little um, podcast of my own where I was kind of doing a late night show, just kind of talking to people because there are a lot of people who don't have people that they're connected to. I'm the kind of person that has like 50,000 friends or whatever. So I can find somebody to talk to, but I understand that a lot of people are not like that. So I would just get on and talk to people who were kind of like isolated on their own. So I would say, utilize the um, relationships and resources that you have available to you. Um, so whoever that is, if there's a coworker that you used to be pretty close to when you were at the office, you know, reach out to them and say, hey, let's meet online and talk about stuff. And then I tease my daughter and all the young people. I'm like, you know, the phones that you text on actually work with your voice. Like you can talk on those things. So, you know, just a good old phone call. 
I mean, we survived all the way through what probably I'm thinking my first cell phone was like 99 or 2000. Yep. We survived all the way through on that corded phone, dragging it across the house or whatever, or getting the longer mm-hmm. cord. And it was great. I used to love talking on the phone. And I think it's something that is really lost and it's a lot different than text. And I encourage people to like use words and not just text. Now there's nothing wrong with saying like, hey, just dropping you a text to check on you or whatever, but it's not the same as hearing somebody's voice or seeing somebody's face, even if it's not in front of them. Just like seeing you online is not the same as seeing you in person, but it's a little one step better. And so I just say, you know, don't text all the time, like listen to each other's voice, talk to people. Pull out of that isolation however you can. That that's good. Um, and and I, I don't want to dig into it too much, uh, because I want to have you back on when we kick off the new year and kind of talk about you know how we set ourselves up for the new year right. But I just have a question mm-hmm. here. Um, and 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 we don't have to dig into it all the way. But what do you see as the long term negative impacts of being in this? you know, quarantine lifestyle, like from a a cultural perspective, from a mental health perspective, what are things that we collectively need to be looking out for that, you know, essentially happens over time when people become less and less physically connected? Like, what are you, what are you worried of? Or what are even some of the trends that you're seeing in some of your counseling that you're like, man, this is, this is something I haven't seen before. I would say I am worried about the the total isolation, like people who don't have networks. And I, I would love to figure out a way to just say like, hey, are you just home by yourself? And do you just need somebody to talk to about anything, the weather or whatever, which is kind of why I did the show. But I feel like the long term effects of that are, you know, depression, anxiety, weight gain. I, I think about this movie that I saw years ago, um, what's that movie called? Surrogates. Mm. And it had Bruce Willis in it. And so everybody kind of had these perfect little androidy things yep. that operated real life for them and basically lived their life. And they are like controlling their lives from a joystick versus like living their lives. And so when you actually saw the people, they had just kind of let themselves go. They had lost hair and gain weight, lost weight or whatever. And they were just super depressed and everything was so externalized. And so that would be kind of like my nightmare to stop being kind of, you know, view of it. But I just think that people can sink more and more into depression and isolation as it goes. And even like I have friends that are introverted. And so at the beginning, they were like, oh, whatever, I can do this. I'm by myself and all that. And now even the introverts are like, okay, we over this like the two people that I do like I would like to see them yeah and so it's just kind of you know continuing to just keep people isolated and so we have to figure out ways to connect and so right now this what we're doing is our way to connect yeah no that's good that's good um all right so we talked a lot about you know one mental health challenges two uh, what the holidays bring and how to navigate them in three kind of, you know, the long-term impacts here. Um, I, I guess my, my, my next or the, the last question here is, as you've seen this pivot or this change, one, what are you doing differently to connect with people or to, to counsel people better here? And then uh, the second piece is, uh, you know, what, 
what what's next for for Megan? Right, as you've you've continued to evolve in here, you got the PhD. Um, you know what's 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 next uh, in regards to uh, to to Megan. So go ahead. You know, first thing, what what have you changed, or what are you you pivoting, and then uh, what's next, and how can people get get with you? Um, so what I have changed. I mean, I am in so much more than I've ever been. I mean, if if well, you did know me before COVID. So, I mean, if you saw, like, you would see me everywhere, like posting and all of that. And so I really had to adjust to it. And so the way I pivoted, (laughs) right, exactly. I really have um, adjusted to it um, to the point I'm really only around my um, daughter and my mother. I have a couple of um, sorors that I'm around um, all the time. And then... um, that's really it. Like I haven't even been online a lot because work online has been a lot more. Mm-hmm. So it can get exhausting to be at the laptop all day. And so since I'm doing all online therapy, then there's some days that I'm on here six hours. Yeah. And so at the end of that, I don't want anything else to do with the computer or people or anything. So at that point, I would be like, hey, can you call me on the phone or something like that? So um, that's how I've shifted. I've talked to my clients about doing that, but then also getting creative because some places are like open. And so I think for the most part, um, it's okay to go grab a cup of coffee with somebody, you know, I mean, cause you can sit six feet apart. Most of the restaurants are requiring that. And, um, most of the, well, not most, cause I wouldn't go to a restaurant that didn't, but all the staff are required to have masks and things like that on. And so there are ways to get out. I've heard of, I actually heard somebody say there's going to be a drive up concert or something, a driving concert. I've seen those. I've heard about them, at least in Europe. They've they've already started doing some, but I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. So see, you have that. So being creative with what you can do. Um, I've heard of people, um, I heard of some guys that kind of did a tailgating type thing where everybody just kind of put their trunks in a circle and everybody was six feet apart. They just talked to each other because you don't have to really yell at six feet if you're, you know, just in the parking lot and there's no noise. So just being creative about how you do it, drive by parties, because even though they're driving by, you can hear people talk to you and you can see them. At least you might not be able to hug them, which is problematic for a lot of us, but at least you're like, you know, seeing people. So there are some creative ways to it. I'm just praying that we, you know, get this thing under wraps and that we don't have to do this forever. Although I do think that masks are probably here to stay for quite a while. I think so. too. Because when you think about SARS and all of that stuff, that happened years ago. And I never see any person of Asian descent that's living in Asia on a plane without a mask. Like they, they always have them on. So and they walk around daily and I mean, it's been going on. So I don't know that that's going to change. That's real. All right. So this has been great. Um, for those that have enjoyed it, we're going to have Megan back on because there's a lot that, that when we look at a fine and gentry lifestyle, uh, it, it's about your, your mental health. I mean, your, your mentality and your thinking, uh, is what, uh, establishes the way that you live your life. Everything else is just on top of that. And that's, that's foundational. So, um, we're going to have her back on, but Megan, number one, uh, tell us about, you know, how they can find you, how they can connect with you and somebody that might want to pick you up as a, as a counselor and make sure that they don't cancel and have to pay some uh, large cancellation fee. How do they get in touch and connect with you and go from there? 
Oh, that's right. And then you asked me what was next. Okay, yeah. so they can get in touch with me. Um, my handle, as you said earlier, is where in the world is Megan. So on all social media, it's um, W-I-T-W-I-S-M-E-G-A-N. And so all of that is where I am. My business right now is Family First Counseling, but I have furiously been working on my rebranding, which it'll be done when it's done. So I'm not even going to announce it. I'm not putting pressure on myself. There it is. Because I've been doing it all year, but it'll be ready the next time. Yanni is going to get me and make me do it. So she said I'm being a perfectionist. So right now I am at Family First Counseling for my professional things. And I'm probably going to um, lock down my personal stuff because I already got in trouble for something I said. So I'm start pushing people to my professional pages so that I can do what I want to with my real pages because you know I'm not going to change. There it is. So <laughs> I'm like, follow if you want to follow the, <clears throat> follow the real me, then follow with Wiz Megan. If you want professional, then you go to Family First Council. There it is. Um, next for me, I do want to get my podcast back going. Um, I just found out yesterday that my dissertation has been approved for publishing. So nice waiting for that so I can build on that um, because there's a curriculum and training coming out of that. Awesome. And awesome. I'm also writing a book with some colleagues. Um, I, my practice has vastly expanded from like six people to 14. Awesome. So a lot of business stuff is going on. Um, and. I will travel internationally at least twice a year. There it is. With so a mask. That's, that's what it is. Yep. <laughs> at least. <laughs> well, thank you for so much for joining us today. Um, a lot of great stuff we hit on here. And uh, I, I knew this, this was a, a, it's a meaty session. So a lot of you all might want to go back and listen again uh, to this conversation because there's so much to think about from your the way that you're thinking, the way that you're engaging and making sure that you are mentally prepared for the holidays so that you walk into it and come out of it a healthy person. Uh, but also in general, like some great things about how to navigate COVID, how to navigate and work through being in a physically and socially distant mindset um, and, and really working on you and, and getting better. And the biggest thing out of here, find a counselor, find somebody to talk to, even if you just talk to somebody once, connect uh, I guarantee you, you won't do it just once. It's important. It's valuable. The same way you value your physical health, you go to the doctor, you go to the dentist, you go to the optometrist, connect with the counselor and make sure that those things are right, too, because that's that's a piece of it. So thanks again, Megan, for connecting with us and all those that are uh, listening. Make sure that you um, you like subscribe, leave a review. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you don't like it at all. Tell us whatever you think. If you think mental health isn't anything important, let me know that, too, because I'll make sure that I have three more sessions just for you. But um, again, man, I appreciate each and every one of you all for tuning in to All Things Fine and Gentry. Um, we, we look forward to connecting with you uh, as we continue on in our sub-series of Healthy for the Holidays. So much more coming in this holiday season to help you uh, live a fine and gentry lifestyle and, and be healthy. So. Uh, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you after 